the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now, your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. We are starting up, and guess what? I, I got renewed for another day. They renewed my contract. I did Monday, and they, they called me last night. They're like, all right, we're going to give you a second shot. You got Tuesday as well. So thank you for the overwhelming feedback to the studio and here at AM 970, The Answer, for the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Somehow or another, they thought I was good enough to do day two. And I have really excellent news. Uh, you, you just heard my friend Matt Borzi announce that uh, you know I'm making the case for the city I love, and this is the city that I love. And I am so focused on this period of time because it's a crucial period of time in our city. And Mayor Adams today made a major announcement. Uh, he is still putting his his real team together, and I think today was the, maybe the last piece of the puzzle, and in my opinion, maybe the most important piece of the puzzle. He named Ingrid Lewis Martin his chief advisor, to answer directly to him. So the three people that I know of right now who are immediately around the mayor of the city of New York are now Ingrid Lewis Martin, who I'll tell you a little bit about her history in a moment, Lorraine Grillo, and a dear friend of mine who I know very well from the legal profession, Frank Carone. You're talking about the height of competency between those three people. Uh, Mayor Adams keeps saying he wants to get things done. Well, those are three people who get things done. Lorraine Grillo has a reputation as being an outstanding administrator. I watched Frank Carone grow a one-person law firm into a 150-person law firm, one of the best in the city of New York. And Ingrid Martin, I just call her Ingrid, um, she has known... That Mayor Adams, since he was in the police academy, her husband was in the police academy with him, and she's been with the mayor since he was a New York State senator, and then she was the deputy borough president, and now she is going to sit uh, immediately next to the mayor and answer directly to him, and she is she's a great lady. She's really, really smart. Uh, she's assertive. She gets the job done. She doesn't take no for an answer when she doesn't want to hear no for an answer. And look, folks, there's only so much one individual can do. There's only so much that Eric Adams as a human being can do. And he has to delegate. And to have these three people directly around him to delegate to, it's just, it's a fantastic uh, day for New York. And I'm not overstating it. Look, I, I knew Bill de Blasio from a long, long time ago when I worked for a city councilman, Albanese, back in the late 80s. Um... And, and when he came into office, I really didn't know the people immediately around him. 
I do know these people being a New Yorker. And not only are their hearts in the right place, but they have the ability. They have the talent. They have the drive. They have the desire. They have the connections. They have the contacts to make the city be the best that it could be. And I know that that's what Eric wants. So uh, I was I was delighted when I heard about this today. I mean, I knew Ingrid was going to get a, a major position. We just wasn't sh- we. I just wasn't sure exactly what that position was going to be. But to hear that she's going to be uh, so hands on, we all should be very very happy, and we all should be very very supportive. You know, I texted with Frank yesterday and with Ingrid yesterday about the Bronx fire. I offered some assistance. They asked me for some assistance. Um, the one thing I'm going to repeat again and again, just go online, just Google the mayor's fund, the mayor's fund. Uh, just throw some money at them. If it's 10 bucks, if it's five bucks, uh, 100% of what you give is going to go to help those families, to help the people. You know, obviously the tragedy of those who died, especially the children, but all the people that died, the tragedy of the people who are in the hospital fighting for their lives. But there's so many people who are homeless. I think it's 90 families that are homeless. And I know Senator Schumer has asked for federal help to house those 90 families. I mean, it's it's 14 degrees. This morning, uh, I heard on the radio, the real field temperature was one degree. You know, we need to band together as New Yorkers to help. So what Ingrid told me yesterday, attack, texted me, and then Frank followed up, was send people send people to the mayor's fund. Send people to the mayor's fund. We're going to administrate that fund. There's a, a group uh, that is dedicated to taking that money and making sure it goes to the right place and goes in the right hands. Uh, these are people who have the integrity and the values to make sure those who are in need of this money, dire, dire need. Look, I, in 2013, I was at a Fox News morning show Christmas party. My neighbor called me, and I looked at the phone, and I can remember who I was talking to. I was talking to the producer of Fox and Friends. I looked at the phone, and I was like, why is my neighbor across the street, Wade, calling me? I'm like, ah, you know what, I'll call him back. And I put the phone back in my pocket, and then God said, Arthur, take the phone out and answer it. And I answered it. And I said, hey, Wade, what's going on? I'm in the middle of something. He goes, where are you? I said, I'm in Midtown Manhattan. It was the Friday, December 6th, after they just lit the Christmas tree on Wednesday. It was pouring rain. And he said, your house is on fire. You want to see all the the blood just drain out of your face and go down to your feet? I said, what? He goes, your house is on fire. Now, there was a lot of circumstances around it. And poor Marianne, by the time I arrived at my house, I saw the last fire engine leave uh, Marianne was there and watched them break all of our windows, watched them break our banisters, watched the water pouring in all over the house. It was a, it was a disaster. But those are material things. Those are things that you, you know, that's why you have credit cards and you have family. And I must compliment the Red Cross. They must monitor the radios. They showed up right away. Uh, there was another uh, relief fund that showed up right away. But we were, overall, we were fine. It's it's a horrible, horrible feeling. But these poor people in the Bronx, I mean, they, they are suffering the ultimate tragedy. And sadly, it seems like it's a tragedy that could have been prevented in two ways. Number one, the fire shouldn't have been started. Uh, and number two, the doors that were supposed to automatically close did not automatically close. And there were several violations regarding that. Um, Matt, my, my partner in crime here, Matt Sambolin, and as a, a lawyer, I don't mean to mean like, it's not really, he's not really a partner in crime. I mean, we're not committing any crimes here, 
But um, it's still early in the show. <laughs> yeah, but Matt, tell them what what you found out today. The memo you got. The, in the building, building management today informed us that there are to be no space heaters on the premises. And this is, of course, obviously after the, the Bronx tragedy. And I think it's a good rule to enforce. So, yeah, I mean, some I mean, the modern ones are supposed to be very safe. But, it, you know, I heard the commissioner, Nigro, the fire commissioner, saying they shouldn't be left on for hours on end and they shouldn't be, uh, be left unattended. And now they're making sure uh, the, the code enforcement is going to be severe about making sure the doors will close if there's a fire as a little public service announcement. I hope no one here ever experiences a fire. But if you do, you're supposed to close all the doors. And, you know, sometimes you just have to use these tragedies to pull some good out of it. And if there's a tiny, tiny little bit of good out of it, everyone should take a little moment to know what would happen if there was a fire in your house. God bless my dad. When we moved into our home in Bay Ridge, not only did we go over what would happen if there was a fire, he put a ladder in my room. You know, it was a small house, but it was still on the second floor. And if there was ever a fire that would block the staircase, there was a ladder that you would open up the window and you would hook onto the the sill and you would be able to, to climb down the ladder. And it, it probably still in my room underneath the, underneath the, the window. There's nothing wrong with taking a moment and saying, hey, folks, son, daughter, mom, whoever it is, if God forbid there was a fire, how are we getting out of here? Um, again, hats off and kudos to those firefighters who did, you know, went above and beyond. I mean, they did their job, but boy, did they have a wild job. Um, real quick, my father-in-law, Aldo, Geraldo, um, when, when he came over here from Sicily, <clears throat> I think he was 12 years old, didn't speak a word of English, God bless him, by his senior year in New York High School, he was the president of the school, which if you process that, uh, it shows you the, the, the how wonderful immigration can be. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Um, but he, unbeknownst to his parents, who had sacrificed a lot to come over from Sicily, he went to the fire academy. And as he started in the fire academy, as legend has it, when he showed up in his uniform, his parents said, no, 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 no. We didn't come over from Sicily and sacrifice everything and leave everything so you could come over here and take a job where you could get killed. <laughs> you, you're finding a different job than being a firefighter. And that just puts in perspective that what those people, what firefighters, what police officers, what they do every day. I mean, when I leave the house, uh, the worst thing that could ever happen to me is a judge holds me in contempt and I got to go sit in jail for five minutes until someone comes up with $50 to get me out. When a firefighter leaves the house, when a police officer leaves the house, you know, they're praying to God that they'll be home that night. Uh, and we shouldn't take that lightly. So to everyone out there who's worked so hard and, you know, what happens is in the news and I see this with some cases that I have, like it's on the front page and we're all talking about it and then it's gone. And, you know, we kind of forget about it. Let's not forget about those families in the Bronx. Let's not forget about those firefighters. Let's keep them in our thoughts. And in the next segment, um, we're going to talk, speaking of first responders and public service, we're going to talk to Dr. Christine Haynes, who's going to fill us in a little bit about what's going on um, with the coronavirus, with COVID-19. Um, we'll talk to Dr. Haynes in a moment. I want to thank the boys at Mitsubishi Motors in Freehold, New Jersey, 
who have made this show possible. They are the ones who are sponsoring this. My dad keeps telling me, you should tell everyone to keep a pad and a pen next to them because you give a lot of information that if people aren't ready to write it down, they're not going to they're not going to absorb it. So write down on the piece of paper, first of all, make sure you have a fire plan for you and your family. Then write down platinum-mitsubishi.com. Platinum-mitsubishi.com. And the phone number is 732-863-5501. Call, ask for Angelo. Say, Angelo, Uncle Arthur sent me. Give me the best deal you can on a Mitsubishi. And you will not be upset by the treatment that you get. All right, we're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll be back with Dr. Christine Haynes. All right, so from lawyer to lawyer, from a lawyer who refers clients to this particular law firm, Connors and Sullivan, and I know them in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, because that's where I believe they started. Um, so here's, here's what they want me to tell you. Here's the message I'm delivering. Planning for the future is important. And you and are you and your family protected? If you're not around to make the decisions, who's going to make those decisions for you? Are your assets protected from probate and nursing home costs? That's real important, folks, because those nursing home costs are can bankrupt you in no time. The time to plan is now. And that's true, especially if like you're my age and no one lives forever. Look at Mr. Poor Sackett, who passed away at 65 years old. If you need a will, if you need a trust, the power of attorney, a healthcare proxy, a living will, you should have all of those. Like no matter how old you are, if you have kids, you should have all of those. The goal of Connors and Sullivan attorneys is always the protection of your rights and interests. They've been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. Visit them and it's free. You, I, today I gave I did a, a mitzvah and I gave a guy a free consultation on something. That's what Connors and Sullivan's, Sullivan does on all of their cases. The biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. That's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So call Connors and Sullivan's today to schedule a free in-person consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. Well, I will tell you, Matt Sambolin picked the absolute right song for my next guest because Dr. Christine Haynes has been nothing short of unbelievable over the last almost two years. We're not quite at the two-year mark, but we're getting very, very close because Dr. Christine Haynes worked in works, but <laughs> what I'm remembering is worked in the emergency room at Lenox Hill Hospital here in New York City um, in the thick of the... There was no COVID. The word COVID didn't exist. It was the coronavirus in March and April and May of 2020. Um, and it was so bad that Christine, well, I should call her Dr. Haynes, was working so much. 
And remember, folks, the city was closed. So she would be working 20 hours. Her husband, Dr. Lawrence Haynes, was working at Mamanaji's hospital in the emergency room as a doctor for 20 hours. There was, they had no food. They, they, it, it was a disaster. The first time I shed a tear regarding the coronavirus was when Dr. Haynes, who I call Chrissy, uh, sent me a text and a picture of her face. And it, was, it, it had embedded in it. The marks of the mask, of the N95 mask, which she had one of, one, that she wasn't allowed to take off for the 20-hour shift until Vinny IgG Lavienne was able to supply her with some more thereafter. Christine Haynes is still working in the Lenox Hill emergency room. She, I don't really know if she's a Democrat or Republican. I have no idea who she votes for. Politics does not play a role when I speak to her. Um, in any capacity, really, but especially as a doctor. So when I hear people arguing about masks, about vaccines, about boosters, about social distancing, there's only one place I go, and that is to my sister-in-law, a young lady who I know since she was a teenager, Dr. Christine Haynes. Hi, Dr. Haynes. Wow. Thank you for that introduction. I had tears in my eyes. Um Thank you. And I'm proud to know you as well. And I go to you for Chris, all my lawyer issues. Christine, you have, you, you, have, you have no choice but to know me. So forget about the proud thing. So and, right. and to be honest with everyone who's listening, Dr. Haynes is not on this show because she's my sister-in-law. She's been on ABC News. She's been on Good Day New York. She's been on NBC News. Uh, she's one of the go-to people when you just want to hear about the medicine and you don't want and you want to just blur out all the noise. So Dr. Haynes, give me uh, just a little update on what's going on in Lenox Hill as we speak. So what's going on right now is our hospitals are filling up again, unfortunately, with a lot of positive COVID cases. Now, that being said, it is a mixed picture. So there's definitely a different feel to it now than it was in March of 2020, where everybody we were admitting, we were admitting for COVID reasons. And people were sick and people were on ventilators. Now we're admitting patients who just happen to be COVID positive, but maybe coming in for different things, like, for example, an elderly woman who broke her hip or someone who is being diagnosed with appendicitis who has to go to the operating room and they just happen to be testing positive. Thank God we're at a different state than we were in March of 2020, where we do have a lot of people who are vaccinated and that is making the world of a difference. So, Chrissy, I had this. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. It's your microphone. I'm just listening. No, I mean, if we had, let's just, I'm just going to try to paint a picture for you. If we had this many positive cases and no vaccine, I can't even imagine the the state of our, that our world would be in. So do you, do you attribute, here's here's the question. mm -hmm. Do you attribute, Mm -hmm. so obviously I talk to you on a regular basis, so I have a background Mm -hmm. of what's going on. So yes, there's a lot of people coming into the hospital. I, I, it was either you or your very handsome husband told me that in 15 days between the end of March and the beginning of April, you guys saw more people die than in 15 years as doctors. Now, but that's not the case now, thank God. Do you attribute that to the vaccine or the variant itself being you know, less severe, the Omicron versus the Delta, or is it a combination of both or is the answer which sometimes you give me is we don't know we can't we haven't figured that out yet no i think we absolutely know and yet we do not have our refrigerated morgues outside on 76th street so there's not depth and thank god i mean that was just a horrific picture of every day walking into my hospital in 2020 
knowing that, you know, there, every day I went, there was like another more uh, refrigerated truck of just a, like a, a more of the bodies. And we just couldn't even contain the death. We are not in that situation. And it is because of the vaccine. And it is because the variant has become milder. It's a combination. And I really want to, I know the world seems depressing and there's so many positive cases and people are frustrated because they are vaccinated and they're still turning positive. But this is what we wanted to happen. We wanted to get it to, to the point where we were had a variant that was so mild that it does go through the world and everybody does get it and we survive it, especially if we're vaccinated and we move on and we move on with our lives and we go to the place where COVID-19 is now a typical coronavirus, which we know already about as a common cold, mostly in childhood. So here's and the I drum really roll. think that we are going towards that point. Okay. So, so you got, you have a little bit of a positive outlook outlook. Is that accurate? Is that fair to say? I have to have a positive outlook. Well, okay. Okay. How about have, but... a positive prediction? Cause you didn't always have a positive prediction. You, you told me, in the summer of 2020, when we were kind of outside and we were having some, uh, some good times, you were like, it's going to come back and it's going to hit us again. And you were 100 percent correct, as it did in November, and December and January of a year ago. But now, you know, uh, you're forecasting maybe some positive uh, news coming down the pipe if we're if this <laughs> milder variant is hitting everyone and we're getting some sort of herd immunity. Are we allowed to use that term? I think we are. I, you know, I, yes, I want to be positive because I want to wake up every day and still have energy to go to work because there's such burnout in healthcare right now that to get to, to get to work, you know, March of 2020, I was like energetic. I had a different outlook. I was excited to kind of fight it. Now I'm just, we're just burnt out. It's two years. We're sick of it. We're sick of hearing about it. Uh, we all are not just healthcare, just as a society in general. And yeah, no. And, and when I was pessimistic, it was, before the vaccine, before I knew that the vaccine worked, before I knew that the vaccine kept people out of hospitals. We have that data now. There is no doubt in the data. I am not just being hopeful and optimistic. I am I'm being scientific. Okay, so I, wait, I okay, wait, I, I, I need you to stay on the science. I think I have about three mm-hmm. minutes left. So uh, there's a very opinionated uh, law partner in my firm. She's, she has no blood relation to you. And um, you know, in our building, in our law firm, they they came up. The building said, uh, you know, everyone got has to wear a mask coming in and out in the elevators, no matter where you uh, where you are. Uh, there's a case that was argued in front of the United States Supreme Court on Friday that the president of the United States is telling any business that has a hundred employees or more they have to have a mask mandate. What say you, Dr. Haynes, who's in the thick of 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 the real life? Right, no politician, no senator, nobody has seen what you've seen. No president of the United States has seen what you've seen. What what is your call on what on masks and wearing masks? You can break it down if you'd like. Vaccinated, not vaccinated, just had coronavirus, haven't had coronavirus. I need the direction from Dr. Haynes on mask wearing. Because of the surge right now and the large, large, large amount of cases, I think we should still be wearing masks. I think, however in a few months from now, and, and you do have to break it back down by vaccinated or unvaccinated. There's no other way. If you are going around somebody who is immunocompromised or doesn't make antibodies, but really is trying to be boosted and vaccinated, you should have a mask on. Um, that it's just, it's just the data of where, you know, who's at high risk and who's not. 
So but what what know, about my partner who says the data is skewed or it's 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 politically driven, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, do you feel comfortable making the case to anyone that that masks saves li- save saves lives? I think up until now, masks have saved lives. However, I think we're moving to a new point where after this variant, where everybody has gotten an opportunity to be vaccinated, where maybe most of the world maybe even gets this variant, I think we can, I think we can regroup and, and, and see where we are with the masks is, is what I have to say. But I don't think we're there yet, but I think we just have to hang on, get through this next surge. And I think in a couple of months, we will see almost like a different world. Okay, Chrissy. I, I, I hope that to be true. Dr. Haynes, I can't gush anymore about you. I'll actually start crying on the air because I know what you've done. Um, the only thing I need you to do is protect me from your husband. I hope he's not going to be mad that I put you yeah. on the air before him because you know how much how, how highly I think of him. But thank you for all you've done. And you know I saw it with, with my own eyes um, how wonderful you were and, and how many lives you saved. Um, I, you know, amongst family, we call you the Mother Teresa of uh <laughs> of the Idola Bertuna family. Yeah. So go back to Madison and Gerard. Happy birthday, Madison. We love you. And Dr. Chrissy, I will see you very soon. Thank you. Love you too. Thank you for having me on. Bye. So that was Dr. Chrissy Haynes, who you don't, unless you saw it with your own eyes, and I saw the people who she saved with my own eyes because it was certain family members. Unbelievable. Speaking of Bruce Springsteen, I'm on fire. Someone just got fired. Joe Judge of the New York Giants is no longer the coach of the New York Giants. I believe the term they just put out on Twitter was he's been relieved of his responsibilities. All right. We're going to take a quick bottom of the hour break. And we have half a show left. And uh, then we'll be back. All right, folks. Enjoy. See you in a couple minutes. I'm Lou Dobbs. California lawmakers debating a plan for universal health care. Maya Angelou is on the newest quarters and Bank of America slashing overdraft fees. Those stories next. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a health care plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 or more per month with MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate when compared to health insurance. Double. You get access to a massive network of providers and 24-7 telehealth. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, and it's more than just affordable healthcare, too. You get to be part of a community of Christians who pray for each other and support each other. But here's why now is the time to make the switch. Join before January 15th, and they'll waive your new member fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. Call now. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline is January 15th, so you can save even more. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. California lawmakers today began debating a plan to create a universal health care system that would cover everyone in the state of California, including illegal immigrants. Woke legislators think now is the time to push for their idea at a cost of $163 billion a year, paid for by, quote, taxes on the wealthy and big businesses, end quote. 
The U.S. Mint has begun distributing rolls of new quarters that feature poet Maya Angelou on the coins. Future rollouts will include women like astronaut Sally Ride and Wilmer Mankiller, the first woman elected a chief of the Cherokee Nation. On Wall Street today, stocks closed higher. The Dow Jones Industrials gaining 182 points. Bank of America is slashing the amount that it charges customers when they spend more than they have in their accounts, and it plans to eliminate all bounce check fees as well. Please join me three times each day. For my updates, this is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. News, opinion, passion. This is AM 970, The Answer. Clear skies up overhead. We're holding steady for another hour at 19 degrees. What's going on? We have the answer. Well, breaking news in the last hour, Joe Judge has been fired as head coach of the New York Giants after finishing fourth in the NFC East this season. Judge went 10 and 23 in two seasons. In a statement from Giants co-owner John Mara, he said, Steve Tisch and I both believe it's in the best interest of our franchise to move in another direction. We met with Joe yesterday afternoon and discussed the state of the team. I met again with Joe this afternoon, and it was during that conversation I informed him of our decision. We appreciate Joe's efforts on behalf of the organization. I said before the season started that I wanted to feel good about the direction we were headed when we played our last game of the season. Unfortunately, I cannot make that statement which is why we made this decision. The winter coronavirus surge continues in New Jersey. Latest daily data shows the seven-day average for positive tests is up 8% from a week ago. The number of hospitalizations remains just over 6,000, but the number is slightly lower from the previous day. Governor Murphy said on MSNBC today that this is not a peak, but it's getting in the neighborhood of a peak. He says coronavirus is still raging. And a police body camera bill is one step closer to Governor Phil Murphy's desk following passage in the state legislature of New Jersey this week. The bill would allow officers to review their own body cam footage before writing reports, according to NJ.com, although officers will still be required to write up reports from memory in the event of a death. Taking a look at the traffic across the Hudson, going back to New Jersey at the Holland Tunnel, about a 5 to 10 minute wait. Citybound, we're doing okay. Lincoln Tunnel and the George Washington Bridge, both in good shape. Your forecast, clear skies tonight with steady temperatures around 20 overnight. Sunny, breezy tomorrow, high of 40, and 40 is going to feel good compared to what we dealt with today. Partly sunny Thursday, even warmer with a high of 42 in the afternoon. And sunshine on Friday, high 34, cold on Saturday with a high of only 22. And now you know what's going on. I am Mike Barker on AM 970, The Answer. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. All right, folks. Either you're almost home in the car or dinner's almost done or you're almost done with the homework. I hope we're keeping you uh, entertained. This is Arthur Idala. I'm sitting here thanks to Platinum Mitsubishi in Freehold, New Jersey. Thank you guys for... Uh, giving us this time to get together and, and chat a little bit. Um, I'm going to do just a little bit of legal news uh, because I think it's something that affects all of us. So a lawsuit was filed um, by several prominent Republicans here in New York City, uh, specifically Staten Island Borough President Vito, Vito Fisella and New York GOP Chairman Nick Langworthy, amongst others who signed on. I know Councilman Joe Borelli also signed on because... Uh, a a law passed by the city council, which allows non-citizens, but people who are here legally, 
but they're not citizens to vote in local elections. So they can't vote in, they can't vote the state assembly, they can't vote for state governor, they can't vote for state controller, they can't vote in federal elections, so they can't vote for president of the United States, but or, or uh, United States senators or United States Congress people. But they can vote for mayor, public advocate, uh, New York City controller, city council people. It's about 800,000 people. So let's just break it down a little bit. And let's be honest, okay? Okay, so these are legal people. So these are people who have a green card or some sort of a, they have to have been in the city. Now, this is the part where Eric Adams was initially going to veto it, but then he decided, or he said he was persuaded by his fellow lawmakers to allow it to stand. You only have to be get one of those legal cards for 30 days. So if you're here legally for at least 30 days, you can vote for the mayor. Now, a lot of people are outraged by, by, by this. Here's the reason why at, at this point I, I'm not even processing that. In the primary for mayor this past June, which was a very, very heated primary between Catherine Garcia and Miss Wiley and obviously Eric Adams and others, uh, 27% of eligible voters voted. 27%. Now that's of eligible Democrats. And now everyone's not registered to vote. And then you get to the general election and it even drops to 23% of eligible voters. Now this is before these 800,000 people were eligible to vote. And I know when, when Bill de Blasio won, it was before ranked choice voting. I think it was 25 or 26% of people who were eligible to vote, registered voters, voted in this heated primary. And he had to get at least 40%. So basically like 15%, 14% of people who are registered to vote elected the mayor of the city of New York. You know, you, you want to complain about whatever elected official you want. You want. Everyone wants to go off on de Blasio. Well, where were you when it was time to vote? Where were you when it was time to go in? And I was going to say pull the lever, but now you don't pull the lever. You fill in the little black dot. Um, so, you know, before we get, get outraged about having 800,000 uh, people who are here legally, you know, when I first saw the headline, I thought this had to do with uh, people who could, you could just walk in and, and vote uh, without any identification. And that's a whole other topic. I mean, voter ID laws. You know, I don't I'm not grasping that um, I've had some very heated conversations with my friend Juan Williams about that to get into a, a law office building, to get into the radio station building. I need ID with COVID-19. I think go into a restaurant. I need ID. Right. It's not just the COVID card. It's like, let me see your ID. Uh, and it's not just for me. Right. It's for kids all the way down to five. I want to take Arthur to the circus. I have to show a COVID card and then they ask him, like, like they see his name says Arthur, like, son, what's your name? He's like, Arthur. I mean, if he said Carmine, it may be a, a different scenario and he wouldn't be able to get into the, to the circus. So for things as trivial as going to the circus, for things as trivial as going into L&B Spumoni Gardens to get a piece of pizza where you have to show that you've got your ID and your COVID test, it's okay. But to do something that's very important to go in and vote for any of these elected offices to protest showing some form of ID, a library card, something, I don't get it. 
I, I, we're going to have to do a show on that. I, I'll probably ask Juan Williams to come back. And I know I, when I've had him on, when I've hosted for Joe Piscopo, people, oh, you know, he's a lefty. He's that. He's, let me tell you something. He's a very smart man. Very, very smart man. And I love to debate smart people. That's kind of what I do when I go up against the U.S. Attorney's Office. You know, you're talking about a public educated lawyer over here going up against some assistant U.S. attorney who graduated summa cum laude from Yale or Harvard. Um, but, you know, <laughs> that's what makes makes my day interesting. But but this particular law, what it, it does, if you're going to be a Justice Scalia scholar, the United, the New York State Constitution gives every citizen the right to vote. That's what it says. Every citizen has the right to vote. And yet we're allowing people in the city system to vote who are not citizens. So I have no problem telling you what Justice Scalia, Justice Thomas, Justice Alito on the United States Supreme Court, Justice Gorsuch, what they what they how they would rule. They say, wait a minute, hold on. It's very clear. It's the, the state legislature says every citizen can vote, has the right to vote. Uh, now, on the other side, they say, well, it doesn't say someone who's here legally and who's a non-citizen. This is and the city council is the legislature. So they are the ones who should be passing these these laws. So we'll see how this lawsuit turns out. It was filed in Staten Island Supreme Court. I was able I was not able to find out which judge. But I am looking forward to finding out because there are not a lot of judges in the Staten Island Supreme Court because the size of the borough. And uh, I probably could give an educated opinion on to what happened um, by knowing um, but we, which judge is going to listen to this case. So stay tuned to that, folks. In other breaking news, um, as I was preparing for this show, the uh, in Rikers Island, between the COVID, and really it's because of the coronavirus and the COVID uh, sickness of all the correction officers um, and the court system, um, there's a hunger strike going on. And as I'm reading the article, I said, oh, and uh, New, York, uh, New York County uh, criminal defenders, I think it's New York County, maybe New York criminal defenders, uh, the lawyer in charge of data and this is Chris Boyle. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I may know a thing about this. Chris Boyle and I were in Miss Brennan's class in PS 185 in 1974, 75. He's one of my closest friends. So I called him right before this. And long story short, he was at Rikers Island visiting one of his clients. You know, he does a tremendous public service representing people who don't have money to pay for a private attorney. And the bottom line is there were four different blocks where they're on a hunger strike because things are so horrible in Rikers Island. <clears throat> the food that they're getting, the lack of resources, they, they don't get any medical treatment. They don't get any recreation time. And when people are, oh, well, they're criminals. No, actually, they're not, folks. They're actually not criminals. They're the people who are charged with a crime and haven't been able to make bail. They, you know, when you ask about bail reform, and that's a, that'll be a, another show we do, but one of the reasons was there were so many people in Rikers Island who couldn't make $100 bail or $200 bail, so they just eliminated that. But again, that's a very complicated conversation, bail reform, and it, believe me, that was a knee-jerk reaction for, by the legislature and how they enacted that. Um, and it definitely needs to be fixed when and how remains to be seen. Um, but what's going on in Rikers right now is, and you know, these hunger strikes, they've, they've now missed 12 meals. So about, about 200, uh, inmates have missed, and they're not even inmates. They're technically detainees. Again, we live in a country 
where you are innocent until proven guilty. And that was something hundreds of years ago now that our founding fathers changed from what was going on in England, where you were guilty until proven innocent. So you have innocent people who are in Rikers Island and they're in and they're not basically being able to leave their cells and oh well what's the big deal? Okay, I'm gonna here's a little challenge. Here's a little challenge to those of you who are listening and say, Oh, it's not a big deal. Take your iPhone, take whatever cell device you have, a kitchen timer, I don't know, put it on fifteen minutes and put it outside the bathroom door. I, ideally if you have a bathroom with no window <clears throat> and go in the bathroom and close the door. And just with nothing, nothing on your pockets, nothing on you, no, nothing to read, nothing. And just go sit in there until the timer goes off for 15 minutes. Again, without a window, all by yourself. And then think about that's your life. And what's happening because, and I, look, I'm living in now, folks. I'm, I was supposed to have four court appearances, live court appearances this week. They all went to virtual. What does virtual mean? It means it just slows down. Everyone's tried. I'm not throwing blame anywhere, but it just slows down. When you're there in person, things get accomplished. Prosecutors talk to a defense attorneys. The judge, unlike in federal court where a judge is not allowed to be, participate in, in plea bargains in state court, they are. Things, the, the wheels of justice turn. When you're doing all of this uh, virtual stuff, it's very difficult. So guys who are in there who are on, on minor crimes, relatively minor crimes, it's bad enough that they're in there. Okay, they're in there. They couldn't make bail. But the, the conditions that they are, they're in are really horrific. And I know Eric Adams is going to focus on that and try to do the best that he can to make that situation better. I know Chris Boyle testified today, I believe, in front of uh, the Department of Corrections board to talk about the, the uh, conditions in there. I do have one guy who's in there right now who has tremendous medical issues, and he's suffering and trying so hard to get medical treatment, but he can't. Again, I don't know where the blame lies. I know the correction officers are doing the best they can, but so many of them are sick with COVID-19. All right, folks, um, we have one more segment left. We're going to make that the lighthearted segment. I think that's what we're going to do on the show. I mean, I don't know. I got to hear tonight. Jerry Crowley's going to listen to the show because he's out at dinner right now. But when he listens to the show, whether I get re-upped for a third show. I mean, Sam Bowen, what do you think? You think we make it to a third show? I, I think you're going to do okay. <laughs> you're doing good with the music. You're go- doing good with keeping me on time. So uh, stay tuned. Don't burn the chicken. Don't miss the parking spot. We'll be right back. Round here. I'm Elizabeth McDonald, and this is the Fox Business Report. Stocks finished higher, led by a rebound in shares of technology companies as investors continue to focus on inflation and rising interest rates. The Dow up 183 points, the Nasdaq up 211, S&P 500 up 43. And Bank of America is cutting some fees on its overdraft services, joining recent moves by J.P. Morgan Chase and Capital One. Bank of America will be reducing overdraft fees to 10 bucks from 35 bucks beginning in May and eliminating non-sufficient funds fees in February, which are levied when it rejects a transaction better known as bouncing a check. And Citigroup will be exiting its Mexico consumer banking business to change as part of its continuing strategic refresh by Chief Executive Jane Fraser. And United Airlines is trimming its near-term flight schedules after some 3,000 workers called out sick after testing positive for COVID. That's your Fox Business Report. I'm Hillary Barsky, invested in you. 
Puerto Rico is the new go-to destination for investment opportunities, and Impeller is the new online tool that connects investors with innovative projects seeking capital on the island. Impeller takes the guesswork out of investing in Puerto Rico, surfacing the insights you need to make informed decisions and empower your investment portfolio. Visit investpr.org slash Impeller and set up your account today to see what the island has to offer. Impeller, your hub for investment opportunities in Puerto Rico. Powered by Invest Puerto Rico. More than one in three people will face cancer in their lifetime. Unfortunately, fear can stop you from getting cancer screening, but it won't stop cancer. Early detection can save your life. Don't wait for symptoms to appear to act. Cancer screening is safe, effective, and accessible for everyone, including free or low-cost screening programs. Go to cancerscreenquiz.com now and take the American Cancer Society's two-minute cancer screening quiz to find out what screening tests are right for you. Don't wait. Take the quiz. Get screened. Go to cancerscreenquiz.com now. Cancerscreenquiz.com. Bowie! Matt, this is one of the bands that I'm, I, one of the guys I never saw. You know, he died too young. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he was a great performer. Oh, my God, no, he, uh, he was an unbelievable performer. I mean, he was uh, the movies he made, he was a very, very gifted man, David Bowie. My son, Luca, loves Bowie. We, we listen to Bowie in the car all the time. And uh, for those of you, obviously, who can't see me, although my friend Joan is here putting on so much stuff on Facebook and Twitter, you know, I'm not, you know, you guys can find me. Just put in Arthur Idola on Facebook or on Twitter or at Arthur Idola. I don't know. One of those things, and you'll find me. You'll see. I think it's ESQ. It's like Arthur Idol ESQ, so that people know that I'm not the other Arthur Idol. Although I don't think there is another Arthur Idol except my son, who's Arthur Idol the third, because my grandpa was Arthur Idol, although he went by Artie. Then I became Arthur, even though we skipped a little generation. But when when Marion was pregnant with Arthur, I did the research. There's no real, you know, there's no law, okay? <laughs> a bunch of lawyers look at there's no law. So there's three of us, because in my world, there's three of us. There's Arthur, which is grandpa, then there's me, and then there's my son. And, of course, my father, Louis, has always been known either as Artie's son or Arthur's father. So, but thank you, Louis, because I have your middle name, and um, your grandson, Nicholas, has your name as his confirmation name. So we're keeping it all in the family. Speaking of keeping it all in the family, um, some quick good news, um, and I don't say this one lightly. Uh, in a first, man receives a heart from a genetically altered pig. The breakthrough may lead one day to new supplies of animal organs for transplant in humans into human patients. This is huge, folks. I mean, it really is, because... Uh, there is a tremendous shortage of donors. Uh, last year, some 41,354 Americans received a transplanted organ, more than half of them receiving kidneys, according to the United States Network of Organ Sharing. Um, but there, um, there's definitely a shortage of organs, and about a dozen people on the list die each day. A dozen die each day. Some 3,800 Americans received human donor hearts last year as replacements more than ever before, but the potential demand is even higher. So that's great news. Uh, Medicine and technology is zooming away. I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the United States States Supreme Court, I mean, she lived so long with pancreatic cancer, whereas, oh, that's Annette's favorite. Hi, Annette. That's for you, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She lived so long with um, 
with pancreatic cancer. Whereas I remember when I was a kid, my next door neighbor got pancreatic cancer. He was gone in 90 days. So we are moving in the right direction. Um, Speaking of moving in that right direction, I'm going to bounce real quick back into the law because this is all over the place here in New York City about Manhattan District Attorney Bragg, Alvin Bragg, with, you know, his uh, list of cases that are not going to be prosecuted or 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 I should say minimized. He had a meeting with um, he had a meeting with the new police commissioner and they went over some of you know what his policies are. Now, they put out a. a uh, statement that I'm not going to kind of bore you because it's kind of, you know, bo- uh, vanilla. The discussion was open, candid, and productive. The meeting was to share ideas and examine policy differences that could be clarified and harmonized toward a common vision that acknowledges the need for criminal justice reform and alternatives to incarceration. Um, look, everyone believes in, in, in criminal justice reform. What does reform mean? Making something that exists better. Just just making it better. So as someone who li- has lived in that uh, life of the criminal justice system, of course we can be better. My whole life I've heard my dad say we have the best system in the world, but it's far from perfect. So, you know, let's see what what time can time does tell. Now, simultaneously to me walking into the studio, I get a text from one of the lawyers who works for me, Lino. And it's from the Post. Knife-wielding suspect has felony charge reduced under Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's policies. A wanted ex-con allegedly stole more than $2,000 worth of merchandise by threatening a drugstore worker with a knife. With a knife. Yet, had his armed robbery char- yet he had his armed robbery charges downgraded under the controversial pro- progressive policies of the Manhattan's new district attorney. Listen, that's not going to last for long. In other words, it's just not going to last for long. I would, I would really like Alvin Bragg to come on the show. I would really like, and I would be fair with him, and obviously, uh, you know, give him the opportunity to explain his thoughts. I saw him speak at the Police Athletic League uh, with John Katzmanides, who I'm so lucky to go on after his show here on AM nine seventy. The answer, I heard Alvin Bragg speak. He spoke very well. He seemed to have a great vision of you know. Especially with young people, you know, you don't want to if a young person messes up, you don't want to throw them in in prison and teach them how to be a better criminal. You want to get him back into school or get him back into some something productive where he's going to be a productive member of society. Um, You want to keep him out of Rikers Island. And just so that we're clear, Rikers Island used to be where they housed people who are waiting trial and those who got sentenced to under a year in trial. But I'm sorry, who got sentenced to a charge where the crime carried under a year and they were doing less than a year. But there are so few of those now that when I did my research, most of the people on Rikers Island right now are waiting to uh, have their cases heard. And I think Alvin Bragg, ideally, he's trying to keep people off of Rikers Island. But, you know, (laughs) there are some people who... Just not good. They're doing the wrong thing, whether it's the way they were raised, whether it's in their DNA. I don't know, but it's not a district attorney's job to decide why they're committing crimes. It's the district attorney's job to protect us and make sure no those crimes are not committed again, and especially that those crimes are not committed again against by the same individual. And again, we could do a whole show. I could do hours um, because I know so many experts in the field on this topic and about reentry programs and and all kinds of programming. So, I mean, Mayor Adams said 
the, the district attorney has a vision, and he's going to allow that to play out. I do know that the Staten Island district attorney, Mike McMahon, uh, it was on the cover of today's Law Journal, came out and criticized uh, Alvin Bragg's um, policies. That's not typical. Uh, there's like an unwritten rule amongst the five district attorneys in the five boroughs to kind of keep your mouth shut. Um, and I'm not saying Mike McMahon did the wrong thing. District Attorney McMahon did the wrong thing uh, by letting his feelings known. I mean, part of the job of being a public servant and being an elected official is making your, you know, allowing your voice to be heard. So, um, you know, that's why I started the show talking about, you know, Ingrid coming into the administration and Frank Carone and and, and uh, uh, first Deputy Mayor Grillo and what an important time this is in New York City. Uh, I'm, I'm not looking to overblow it out of proportion. I mean, look, when Rudy Giuliani left and, and Bloomberg came in right after the devastation of 9-11, obviously that was a crucial, crucial time in world history, let alone New York City history. But So we're not at that level, in my opinion. But we're at a serious time. Rikers Island and crime... You know, that all ties into what the Adams administration wants to do. And let's face it, folks, he won that election because of his background as a a 22-year veteran of the police department. I mean, he always spoke. I was at many of his events, how proud he was to wear that bulletproof vest for 22 years, where you have Maya Wiley, who was running against him, saying if she won, she's taking the guns away from the police. Um, And he eventually soundly defeated her. Uh, So... Let's see what the future holds. Real quick, you know, the New York Giants have a new or will have a new coach and a general manager. That team needs to just re, re-up themselves. It's, it's a New York City, you know, iconic team, probably second right behind the New York Yankees. Although when I read the three most valuable teams in sports, number one is the Dallas Cowboys, number two are the New York Yankees, and number three are the New York Knicks. I mean, look, I, I loved the Knicks for a long time. They haven't won a championship since the the 70s. But, hey, I guess, see see how powerful New York is, folks? See how, as I look at my Sam Boland sporting his New York Knicks cap, we're going to do a whole other show about Knicks versus Nets. Because now as a Brooklyn boy, you know, I feel, you know, the whole Nets vibe coming down the pipe. Um, And do the Yankees, do they keep their policy, Matt Sam Boland, of making sure that their players are clean-shaven. Wasn't that always a George Steinbrenner mandate, though? Well, I mean, and who's running them, it? His kids, supposed to be right? like the All-American team, right? Yeah, okay. So, uh, look, my dad, when in, in the law firm, he always made sure everyone was dressed appropriately. You know, you're going to be a lawyer, you dress like a lawyer. And on September 7th of 2020, when everyone come back to that, came back into our office, I looked at them and I said, suit and tie, suit and tie. And... No one really gave me a hard time, hard time. And we've basically, there's been no dress down. I think it helps um, feeling, the way you dress has an effect on how you feel. And I think the Yankees, you know, it's his kids who are running, Steinbrenner's kids who are running it. And, and God bless them for uh, keeping it going. If I don't think they're going to lose any players um, by making them shave because the New York Yankees are still the New York Yankees. Although someone who almost lost that was A-Rod. A-Rod wanted to be in a an apartment on the west side and he initially got he initially got uh, rejected by the co-op board it's a, almost just shy of a 10 million dollar apartment which for A-Rod it's like me asking Matt Sambolin for 10 bucks um <laughs> like literally um and uh he went back and he begged to the to the board and they the, he got into the apartment so folks if you want to see A-Rod 
and see who he's dating now that J-Lo is out of his life. Uh, you know, just mingle around the west side of Manhattan. All right, so we basically got the second show in the books. We doing okay, Sam Bolin? I think so. I think we're going to be great. We're going That's out. Fine. We're going out with the beasties. Yes, sir. All right, folks. It's uh, six fifty-eight here in New York City. Hopefully, I'll be back again tomorrow. Uh, we'll have more Eric Adams and, and Adams administration news. We'll have a little bit of legal news. Uh, maybe we'll have a guest. Maybe we won't. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We're just going to play it by ear. We're here to have fun. We're here to entertain. We're here to educate. We're here to make you think. So um, tomorrow I was supposed to go to court. Now I'm not going to court. I'm just going to go to the office and everything is going to be virtually. It's virtual. All right, folks. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow, 6 p.m. The preceding program, sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.